0: The new Super Beats Heart Shoes Advanced is now supercharged with CoQ10. Support your healthy CoQ10 levels and blood pressure with two chews a day. Visit RadioBeats b e e t s dot com and save fifteen percent with promo code DEAL.
1: We do not have to do things this way
0: in this country. It would be very refreshing for members of Congress to reach across the aisle, be reasonable. End the brinksmanship that is very damaging to our reputation and bad for the economy, bad for the American people, and ultimately leads to the breaking of our political system that everything is founded on.
1: This is Randy Irwin, and he leads the National Federation of Federal Employees. It's a union that represents over 100,000 federal workers, and Randy is preparing for the government to shut down. Again,
0: And so, you know, our main thing is we're preparing our members for what's coming. Um, They're going to be losing their pay, uh, you know, very shortly into a government shutdown. Uh, Back in 2019, uh, federal employees missed two paychecks. And that was devastating uh, to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of
1: federal workers nationwide. One of those federal workers was Devin Reed. She's a union steward for the American Federation of Government Employees. They work with TSA staff and other federal workers. And as another shutdown looms, she's thinking about the last time this happened, a few years ago, when federal workers didn't get paid for over a month. And we had to create pastries. We had to get, you know, gas cards because a lot of us were unable to get to work. It was a, hey, I'm going to call in. I can't make it into that. I don't. I don't have the gas money. I have to, you know, find a way to scrounge up money. Um, so it does definitely take a toll. Giving a document to your creditors, to your phone company, um, to your insurance company, telling them, "Hey, I can't pay you because I'm not being paid."
0: A number of programs that Americans depend on also are going to face significant disruptions. You'll see aid programs start to run out of money. You'll see organizations like FEMA struggle to provide disaster aid. You might see disruptions in air travel because while there are folks at the TSA who will continue working, those folks might be less inclined to come to work because they're not receiving a paycheck.
1: Tony Rom covers economic policy for The Post, and he's been reporting on the fallout of this potential shutdown.
0: The effects are pretty significant because there's really no aspect of American life that the U.S. government doesn't touch. And for every day the shutdown goes on, the effects could be even more consequential for Americans.
1: From the newsroom of The Washington Post, this is Post Reports. I'm Maggie Penman. I'm your guest host today. It's Wednesday, September 27th. Today on the show, Tony and I talk about just how far-reaching the impacts of a shutdown could be. Okay, so we are just a few days away from a possible government shutdown. Can you just remind us, what does that actually mean?
0: Yeah, we're about three days away from this sort of doomsday here in Washington where so many programs and agencies that millions of Americans and workers and businesses depend on will come to a screeching halt. Um, And so basically lawmakers have until midnight on September 30th to come to some sort of deal that funds the government for some amount of time or a number of programs and agencies will close. We'll see millions of workers on furlough uh, at home without pay, while some will be forced to work without pay. And that includes military service members who will continue to man their stations, but won't see a paycheck either for the remainder of the shutdown.
1: Mm. Yeah, I remember the shutdown a few years ago. And in some ways, it seems like this is almost becoming the new normal in Washington. So why does this keep happening?
0: Yeah, that shutdown a few years ago, that was the longest shutdown in U.S. history, starting in about the late 2018 into 2019. And the reason this keeps happening is because Democrats and Republicans often wait to the last minute to resolve their differences over federal spending and over a wide array of federal policies. I used to work on the Hill. I used to cover these issues. And you would often see Democrats and Republicans get within a day or two, sometimes even hours, from the expiration of government funding before those folks finally got into a room and hashed out some sort of deal that kept government running. But this time seems a little bit different. The tensions between Democrats and Republicans are sky high. And these conservatives in the House in particular have made clear that they're not willing to accept some of those deals that they might have in the past as they look to challenge President Biden directly ahead of an election year.
1: So let's just talk through the next few days. As you said, a shutdown could begin this weekend. I'm talking to you on Wednesday, September 27th. What needs to happen between now and the end of the month for a shutdown to be avoided?
0: Well, it sounds simple. They've got to get a deal. But that is like the most complicated thing that they could possibly need at this point in time. Essentially, Congress has two main avenues that it could fix this problem. It could pass about a dozen appropriations bills that fund all sorts of agencies and programs through the fiscal year that starts on October 1st and ends next September 30th. Or it could pass what's known as a continuing resolution, which is essentially a short term measure Mm -hmm. that could give the government a few more weeks of funding at its current levels, essentially buying time for lawmakers to come up with some sort of arrangement that could keep the government running into next year. And so we find ourselves in this position in which it seems a deal isn't super likely that we could just simply run out of time before Congress can get around a table and come up with something that could keep the government running. And of course, it probably goes without saying that if they do craft some sort of short-term deal, that continuing resolution into November, for example, we might find ourselves right back in the same exact position just a few weeks from now.
1: So I know aid to Ukraine has been a big sticking point here. I heard House Speaker Kevin McCarthy talking about this to reporters the other day.
0: Is Zelensky elected to Congress? Is he our president? I don't think I have to commit anything. I have questions for him. Where's the accountability and the money we already spent? What is the plan for victory? I think that's what the American public wants to know. Look, what Russia has done...
1: In- what are the other big points of contention here?
0: There are a million big points of contention. Aid to Ukraine is one of them. Republicans in the House simply do not want to provide more money to the war-torn country even though President Biden and Senate Democrats and even some Republicans would like to see aid to Ukraine. There's a fight over disaster aid which Republicans support but they would like to see that handled separately from the rest of the funding arrangement that lawmakers are now negotiating. There's a huge gap between the two parties on exactly how much to spend on a wide array of domestic agencies since conservatives in the House would love to see significant multi-billion dollar cuts that could deeply affect education and programs that help the poor. But then there are a series of disputes that have nothing to do with the budget. Some of these far-right Republicans would like to see any funding measure include tougher policies enforcing at the U.S.-Mexican border.
1: If there is a shutdown on Saturday, it is because President Biden, Chuck Schumer, my Democratic colleagues would prefer to shut down the government of the United States than shut down the border of the United States and protect the American people.
0: And there are other Republicans who just weeks ago pushed House Speaker Kevin McCarthy into this position where he had to open an impeachment inquiry into President Biden, which obviously has nothing to do with federal spending. So in many ways, this fight is about everything and nothing. And in some respects, House conservatives have used this as an opportunity to flex their muscle against Speaker Kevin McCarthy in a way that threatens us with the shutdown because of these fights, not just between the parties, but within them.
1: So it sounds like far right Republicans in the House are really the ones sort of pushing a shutdown here. Is is that right and and why is
0: that? Yeah, these Republicans, and they're part of a block called the House Freedom Caucus. They're a really powerful block in the House. They have pushed for significant changes to federal spending and to federal policy, generally speaking, because they finally have the leverage. You know, they did this a few months ago with the debt ceiling. We had that all-important deadline by which the U.S. had to extend its ability to borrow or the country could have defaulted. And conservatives used that deadline in order to force what they thought at the time were spending cuts. But since then, they've sought even deeper spending cuts on top of a series of additional policies that they weren't able to achieve when we found ourselves in this similar fight just this summer. Um, And so conservatives are pushing hard here. Some of them have made clear that they are willing to shut down the government to get what they want. Others have made clear that they're willing to go after McCarthy and his speakership if they don't get what they want, which could turn this into an even bigger political crisis in the next couple weeks.
1: Okay, it sounds like a shutdown might be looking likely then— What are the contingency plans or the safety nets in place? I'm just thinking about all of the important things the government does, food stamps. um, I know the government is the nation's biggest employer, right? Um, All of these federal workers won't be getting paid. So what are the safety nets?
0: Yeah, there are about 1.2 million federal employees that could be affected. I think there's about another 1.3 million active uh, military service members in the United States. We're talking about millions of people who will not get paid during this period, some of whom will have to continue working anyway. And the hardship there could be significant. You know, we're talking about one of the more expensive zip codes in the United States. These people could be asked to work or to stay home without pay for weeks. And at a time when prices are high, that's no small ask. Um, and it's something... Thing that experts have long said contributes to this brain drain in government but beyond that there's actually this quiet and well orchestrated process in washington for what happens during a shutdown Agencies have to put together these really complicated plans about who stays and who has to go home, which programs can continue and which can't, and which benefit programs that help families afford food and housing still have money left over and those that don't. We've gotten some of those details, but we should get more details from the Biden administration as we get closer to that October 1st deadline.
1: After the break, Tony and I talk about what the shutdown means for the economy and disaster recovery efforts in the middle of hurricane season and after a summer of wildfires. We'll be right back. Tony, the economy seems to have been doing well recently. We're still struggling with inflation, but overall jobs numbers have been good. A lot of prices have come down. But how will this potential shutdown affect the broader economy?
0: Yeah, it depends on whether the shutdown happens and how long such a shutdown lasts. If we see an interruption in federal funding that goes through this weekend, maybe into early next week, the chances of it affecting the economy are very low. It's not going to have a significant effect on the markets or on other portions of the economy. But if this thing extends a few weeks, you know, we're talking something along the duration of what we saw in 2018 and 2019, when the government was closed for more than a month, then we could start to see significant hits to gross domestic product and to other economic indicators uh, just because of things like a decrease in federal spending and a decrease in consumer spending, things that shake consumer confidence and potentially rattle the markets. All of these things uh, could pose a serious threat to the economy if a shutdown lasts for an extended period of time.
1: And what about important services that the government provides. I'm thinking about things like food stamps, like what happens to federal assistance programs? What happens to seniors who might rely on money that they get from the government? Um,
0: What happens to all of those people? So we should say right out the gate that Social Security is fine. Medicare is fine. They are funded in different ways. No matter how long the shutdown lasts, those benefits will continue to be paid. So seniors will be okay. Okay. For other programs, though, it sort of depends on each of their budgets. So, for example, um, there are two major nutrition programs in the United States. One is called SNAP or food stamps. The other is called WIC. They both serve slightly different constituencies, but largely they are low-income families. Both of those programs have money to pay out benefits at the start of a shutdown. But the longer this thing goes, the more that we could see disruptions. WIC in particular is the one that's most at risk because the Biden administration has been warning for many weeks now that it doesn't have the money to continue to provide millions of Americans with the sizable benefits that they receive today. And even in a world in which there wasn't a shutdown, WIC was going to experience trouble unless Congress approved more than a billion dollars of emergency aid. So it stands to reason that in a matter of a few weeks, we could potentially see interruptions to these families who receive benefits under WIC because Congress hasn't done its job and hasn't worked to fund the government.
1: Mm.
0: There are other programs that are affected too. There's a major childcare program called Head Start, for example, that provides money to care organizations nationally. There are some small organizations that depend on that money to stay open. And if they don't get it in October, we could see some of those child care organizations close, which is coming precisely at the time that other pandemic aid that helped hundreds of thousands of care organizations is going to expire. So we could see a spiraling child care crisis sometime in October if the U.S. government doesn't get its act together and put together something that can fund federal operations. The same thing is true for things like public housing and for Pell Grants. The longer this stuff goes, the more these accounts, which can carry over their balances, start to run out.
1: Tony, you had a scoop this morning about what this means for FEMA and disaster relief funding and recovery efforts. Uh, Could you tell us about that reporting?
0: The big story this morning is that the US government has started to ration its disaster aid because it's simply running out of money. Over the past month, FEMA has paused the delivery of about $2.8 billion that would have gone towards long-term recovery projects in places like Florida and Puerto Rico. Now, the reason this is happening is because FEMA is simply running out of money to respond to immediate crises. They have about $2.4 billion left over to deal with a future hurricane, for example, since we're in the middle of hurricane season. But that is simply not enough. I mean, past hurricanes have cost way more than that. So FEMA's had to ration its money, and that's meant that it's had to pause these payments to these other states and cities that had been waiting on federal aid to reimburse them for work that they did to clean up debris from past storms or to help put out wildfires that spread across the country as recently as this summer. So the concern here is that not only is FEMA running out of money, that, but that cities and states are going to have to wait even longer to get money that they were promised from the federal government. And so it just sort of underscores one of the many consequences of a government shutdown here. Because if lawmakers don't act and FEMA's balance dips too low, then FEMA itself has warned it's not going to be able to respond if something truly catastrophic happens after October 1st.
1: Tony, what does that actually look like for people on the ground? I'm thinking about Florida, where people are still recovering from Hurricane Ian almost a year later. I mean, what does this mean for disaster relief efforts?
0: Yeah, well, it means a great deal of uncertainty. You know, FEMA has said for right now it can tend to recent immediate crises like the wildfire in Maui. But for some of these efforts to recover... From storms and wildfires that occurred years ago, we're starting to see interruptions to the money that Washington sends back to those communities and reimbursements. Those communities are still going to get federal aid. There's no question. FEMA has said that it will provide the money as planned, but it can't do so right now because Congress hasn't acted and it has left the agency in a place where the budget of the disaster relief fund is just running so low. And by the way, that's nothing to say about what happened in what might happen in the case of a shutdown. You know, FEMA will continue operating. We'll still see people on the ground helping out um, in the event of a natural disaster. But there's a concern that there would be people in Washington who are furloughed and that those furloughs could slow down the work to make decisions and to do other sorts of things that FEMA might do in order to quickly respond to a crisis.
1: The other thing I'm thinking about, Tony, is this is happening at a time when student loan repayments are about to restart. As you mentioned earlier, funding for childcare is about to expire. It seems like there are a lot of coinciding economic headwinds here. So what does that mean for the economy and how are all of these things going to interact potentially?
0: Yeah, it's not, you know, it's not a good thing for the economy for any by any stretch of the imagination if the U.S. government shuts down, but the exact kind of effect it could have really depends on how long a shutdown would last. You know, if the government closes for a few days, maybe just this weekend, maybe into early next week, the effects are going to be pretty negligible, right? We're not going to see a huge hit to growth. We're not going to see a huge effect on unemployment and so forth. But if this thing goes on for weeks, you know, it lasts maybe as long as the last lengthy shutdown, then we could see a meaningful hit to GDP. We could see the market start to lose confidence. You know, maybe the Dow Jones starts to dip. And that's to say nothing of the economic effects on individual families, you know, both federal workers who are being asked to do their jobs in some cases without pay, uh, and to some of these families who were depending on government benefits that are starting to dry up because Congress hasn't acted. So for every day Congress fails to resolve this crisis, the economic consequences could get much worse.
1: What about other day-to-day operations of the government? I'm thinking about people who might be planning to travel this weekend. Like, how is this going to affect things like processing passports or TSA? What about uh, even the people who make sure planes don't crash into each other? Like, there, there are a lot of important government services, right, that are happening invisibly around us all the time.
0: Yeah, the good news is that you can get on a plane this weekend. I mean, I can't tell you if it's going to be a good experience flying or not, but that's not because of the government. Uh, You can get on a plane this weekend, you can get on an Amtrak this weekend, regardless of what happens with government funding. Um, Those TSA workers, for example, who scan bags before you enter the airport, those people will continue working, it's just that they won't get pay. The problem is that if this shutdown goes on for a while, those people might not come into work. There are examples of this. When the government shut down from 2018 and 2019, the major unions representing air traffic controllers and TSA workers and other essential airline employees said the people just weren't showing up on the job and because of that people were experiencing delays when they got to the airport and they were trying to travel to their destination so again it's one of those things where it may not be directly related to government funding but the results of a government shutdown are just so wide-ranging that they could have an effect on things like air travel.
1: So, Tony, we are recording this conversation at around 10 in the morning on Wednesday, September 27th. A lot could change in the next day or two. What are you looking for next?
0: A lot could change between now and just the end of the day. But I think that there are two things that people are watching. The first is to see how quickly can the Senate move? You know, they have a deal now that would allow them to potentially avert a shutdown and fund the government into November. And there's bipartisan support for it, but it's not yet clear if they can move quickly to adopt that before the end of the month. So the second thing is to see what Speaker Kevin McCarthy says next about how the House is going to proceed and if it's even going to try to put a continuing resolution on the floor before October 1st. Those are two things that we could see a little bit more clarity on today as lawmakers come back and, you know, get back to work.
1: All right, Tony, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Tony Rahm is an economic policy and accountability reporter for The Post. After we taped this conversation, House Republican leaders rejected the Senate's stopgap bill to continue funding the government, making a shutdown look even more likely. That's it for Post Reports. Thanks for listening. Today's show was produced by Arjun Singh with help from Trinity Webster-Bass. It was edited by Monica Campbell and mixed by Sean Carter. Thanks to Lisa Ryan. If you're looking for the latest updates on the shutdown tomorrow morning, check out our morning news podcast, The Seven. It's hosted by my friend and colleague, Jeff Pierre, and he brings you the seven stories you need to know every weekday morning by 7 a.m. I'm your guest host, Maggie Penman. We'll be back tomorrow with more stories from The Washington Post.